Today we will be talking about Hilchos Hanukkah. Um, how many different mitzvahs are there on Hanukkah? Two. Two, you say. Which two? Hanukkah candles and? Huh? Hallel. Hallel's a mitzvah. Huh? Latkes. Big mitzvah. <laughs> yes, definitely, for sure. Every brachia make as a mitzvah. Um, another mitzvah is the Sudat Chanukah. At least it's a, it's a machloket between the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramar. The Shulchan Aruch is mashma that there is no particular mitzvah of Sudat Chanukah, which is interesting. Okay. Uh, the Ramar, however, mentions that that some are no hege Sudat mitzvah zeche lechanukat hamizbeach that the Maccabim did way back when. Um, the Ramah also mentions a minog of eating cheese. Does anybody know why to eat cheese on Hanukkah? Yes. Yes. No, not Yael, not Hanukkah, but they were also great women. Yehudit. Yehudit, the daughter of... of... The daughter of? Huh? Okay. Uh, anyway, so so the, in the good old days, like we learned in the beginning of Ketubot, we learned in the beginning of Ketubot about the first rights of the governor, of the, of the Greek governor, to sleep with the brides. So when it was her turn, she gave him cheese that got him thirsty, they gave him wine, got him drunk, and just lopped off his head. And uh, that uh, that act of gavura or, or semi nace. So uh, there are some people that have that minig of eating cheese. Anybody out there has that minig cheese? The cheese thing? You do? Okay. No. You machmer every day. You're saying atuchanaka. Um, so anyway, the Ramah says that uh, you you could also hedge your bet to make sure that you're being mekayim suras mitzvah. By saying Torah and singing Zmirot Tishbachot uh, Baruch in order to uh, solidify the union of the Suras Mitzvah that you're going to have. Now we get to the second and last Mitzvah. I mean, I'm not going to be discussing Halel, um, and that is Nerot. Okay, the original Hakana uh, of Nerot Hanukkah was Ner Ishu Beito, meaning each house should have one single Ner in the window each day of Hanukkah. So that in the eighth day, they would how many how many narrow, how many candles would be in the window? One. Okay, that was the original mitzvah. Okay, then after the, after the basic ner yishubeto came the din of mahadrin. Okay, mahadrin would be to light one ner corresponding to each member of the house. So if there are, let's say ten people living in that particular house, on the eighth day you would have how many candles? Ten, excellent. Then came Mahadrin Minha Mahadrin. And by the way, this is the only real source of the phrase Mahadrin Minha Mahadrin. Later on, Jews adapted it to, for, for restaurants and foods and things like that. Um, mahadrin Minha Mahadrin. It's also Rashi Tevos. It's also it's also Tevos Maham. Okay. Anyway, Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin is a din of being Mosef Vaholech. In other words, with each corresponding day of Hanukkah to add an extra ner. Now, a question could be asked 
you're adding an extra nair also corresponding to each person in the house. Okay, meaning Mahadran, Minna Mahadran is on top of the mitzvah of Mahadran. Or does it supplant the mitzvah of Mahadran? In which we forget about um, being, we forget about e- each person in the house thing, and we, all we do is be Mosef Aholech. Okay, and that indeed is a machoket Rishonim. Uh, the Rosh is of the opinion that you're Mosef Aholech, but only one single Chanukiah for the entire house. That's the Rosh. While the Rambam is of the opinion that you actually have a menorah corresponding to each person in the house. And on top of that, you're Mosef Aholech. Can you that? Yes. The Rosh holds that each and every Jewish household will only have one Chanukiah in the entire house. And the Rambam holds you have one Chanukiah per person in the house. Okay, ten people, ten different Chanukiot that you would go ahead and be Mosef Aholech. Okay, and this Machok Zvishonim between the Rosh, Rashkenazi, and the Rambam, the Svarti, right, uh, boils down to Machokas between the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, right? With the Shulchan Aruch Paskins like, and the Rosh. It's a Venahafachu situation, okay? Where the Shulchan Aruch actually went with Ashkenazi Psak here and passing like the Rosh, and that's why most Svardim will have one Chanukiah in the house uh, that the Balabite would light. The Ramah went ahead and passing like the Rambam, kind of. I'll get exactly what I mean. In, in which the Ramah felt, or Paskin, and said so the Minag Ashkenaz, is that you erect one Chanukiah for each and every um, member of the household. However, there is a difference, a significant difference between the Rambam, Halachalamaisa, and the Ramah. Because the Ramah has each individual lighting menorah, like all you Ashkenazi out there do since you were very young. You light your own menorah, each person makes their own bracha, right? Um, and that's the way it works. But the Rambam doesn't say that. The Rambam really says that the Balabayit would light all the menorot with one bracha, makes one bracha, he lights, he lights, he lights, he lights all of them himself. Okay? There's a famous grizz on this, but I don't have time to go into the grizz. It's a hakira in how you understand Hidur Mitzvah. Um, now, even the Ramah could be understood two ways. Now think carefully, this is very, a very, very significant point. Once we moved into the Mahadran Mina Mahadran, and we have each individual person lighting, it would seem, according to the Ramah, that it's a mitzvah on each gavra, excuse my language, okay, to light the menorah. Masha Enkain, according perhaps to the Rambam, where the Balabai is lighting all the menorot, one can come to the conclusion that maybe it's not a chovas gavra of each individual of the, in the household, but rather a chovah a chova of the house. In other words, if I own a house, I put up a mezuzah. If I own a house, I put a menorah in my window on Hanukkah, and I light it. And if I have many people in my house, so I'll put up many menorah, but I'm the one putting them up, and I'm the one lighting, so obviously if I own a house and I put up a, a and I have to put up a mezuzah, there's a chiv on the gavra on me, yes, but it's a chovat gavra and a chovat chetza, meaning it's the house that requires the menorah. Okay? The question is, once the, we have an understanding of the Ramah, that Mahadrim and Mahadrim is that each individual now is lighting and making his own bracha, it's mashma now that it's moved completely to a chovat gavra. And this could have a number of, uh, of implications. Um, as an example, what if a person doesn't have a house? 
What if he doesn't own a house? So, according to the original mitzvah, for sure, he wouldn't have to put up a menorah because, just like he wouldn't have to put up a, a mezuzah if he didn't own a house, he has no chiyuv to, put a, to, to, to have a menorah. But if I understand that this new minhog of mahadrin, mina mahadrin, is a chiyuv of each individual on top of everything, um, there's a, there is a, 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 a place to say that a homeless person would be chayav to light a menorah anywhere he is. Because maybe it's become a chovas gavra, almost devoid of the need of the chefza. And there are poskim that actually hold that. Okay, it's, it's a machloket, uh, modern day poskim. Whether a person that doesn't have a house at all and finds himself in the field, a chayal as an example, uh, doesn't have a house because he's, he's just sleeping out in the field, can he light out in the field without a house? Could you do this mitzvah without a house? Or do you need a house in order to uh, become the mitzvah? Another big nafkamina um, to this is a din of achsanai. Some of you might have heard this din of achsanai. Raise your hand if you heard the din of achsanai. Achsanai is a person who's a lodger or a guest in somebody else's house. So the Gemara says that the achsanai is mishtatev bepruta. The achsanai gives a pruta to the balabayit such that the balabayit, when he lights, he's lighting for him as well. And there are two different ways we could understand that. Someone understand that he's paying for some of the oil. Well, other than saying that uh, the Rav Zatzal understood that he's kind of like incorporating himself to the household. It's not so much a din in the oil. Okay? But in any case, that's a din of If you go to someone's house, or let's say in the good old days, you went to someone's house, that's what you would have to do. The Maharil Vial says that now that we have a din of Mahajrin, Mahajrin, and each individual lights, if you go to visit somebody's house, you're not Mishtatev Pekuta, but you would go ahead and light your own menorah. Now, the only way you can come to that conclusion if you understood that each individual really has a, a personal chiyuv, no matter where you go, to light a menorah. And you wouldn't need to be mishtatev papruta. That's how the Mishnabura Paskins, Lamaisa. Um, the Griz really believed that even according to the Ramah, it remained the Chovat HaChefza. So, as an example, I'm, I'm, I'm using my own sword to extrapolate. According to the Griz, it would seem that. A chayal in, in, in the sadeh, or a homeless person, wouldn't be able to light a chanukiyah. He just wouldn't have a hechitimti. He wouldn't have a situation that he'd be able to light this menorah. Okay? Uh, and similarly, it's questionable, uh, the din of achsanai could be, according to Guiz, you would still have to be mishtatev, uh, bapruta, because you don't have a portable, um, you know, um, uh, chiyuv, but rather uh, you're tied, so to speak, to the house. Wait a moment. Another nafkamina might be, what if you have children in the house that are under the age of chinuch? Under the age of chinuch, a two-year-old. Okay? So, one story would be that when we talk about b'nei bayit, if they're under the age of chinuch, they don't count. Maybe someone would even say even the under the age of bar mitzvah don't count. Another possibility is b'nei bayit is b'nei bayit. Even, even an infant is a ben bayit. And the balabayit would therefore perhaps set up a menorah for, even for the infant. However, if I understood this din of Mahajan Minahajan is an individual chiyuv of all the Bnei Bayit, not like the Rambam, but more close, close to what the Ramah is saying, then, then there's welcome to say that a child, an infant, let's say, or, or under the age of chinuch, shouldn't have to lie at all. Okay? Yes, Aryeh, what was your question? In Yeshiva, when we don't own the house... Two, two, two separate questions. It's, you don't have to own the house. 
You don't have to announce. You, you, and you light, you light near your room. Not in your room because <coughs> Yeshiva is afraid that you might burn down your room. Not you in particular, but, you know, anybody. And you can't light, let's say, in, you can't light in the Feder Ofel for your Kinyan because they're different buildings. That also, by the way, is an interesting machlokas. There are some that say that you can light in the place that you are koveya to eat. And it's very possible, we'll see, it's very possible that the Rosh Yeshiva this year might tell some people to light in, in the uh, lunchroom. Um, but anyway, that's, that, that will remain to be seen. Yes? I'll try to get the shlichut later. Yes? What if you're moving... All right, I was going to say it later, but I guess I'll, I can tell you now. Uh, according, to, according to Rav Lichtenstein, you can light in the, in, in the house that either you slept in the night before, or that you will sleep in that evening. So that, on an example, on, a, on the Motzi Shabbos, you plan on coming back to Yeshiva... So you have an option to light right after Havdalah in the house that you're in. I, I personally think that's a better option. Um, but you also, according to Rilchensi, if you plan on coming back to Yeshiva directly, and you're going to you know, be here, let's say, before 10 o'clock or so, then you have the option of also lighting in Yeshiva. Okay? All right. Um, I have a feeling I'll be covering a lot of the questions. Yes? So that is whichever you're going to spend more of the night in? No. You have an option. You can do you can either or whatever works out for you. Either or. Yes, sir. Let's say it's a camping trip. You're in trouble. <laughs> no, you're in trouble because there are some postcam and hold. You can't be Yotze Hanukkah lighting in a camping trip. If I, you know, I would not take a camping trip on Hanukkah, but if somehow I found myself in the field, um, I most probably would tell my wife to be my shliach to light. But we'll get to it. All right, hands down, we'll catch the questions later. Um, let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about women and candle lighting. Okay? Um, the Gemara says very, very clearly that women are mechuyavot to light. Right? Nashim madlikot, near Hanukkah, in the name of Rabbi Shulman Levi, of Afhein Hayu Baltoranes. And some of the Achroinim asked the question, if that be the case, then how come our wives don't light? They asked. And some of them came up with an explanation of Ishto Kagufo, um, that when the husband lights, it's as though the, the wife lights. And, and you have to understand that they wouldn't come up with the story of Ishto Kagufo. It was just kind of like trying to explain a prevalent minhog that wives uh, weren't lighting. But in the pure halacha, every single woman really should light. Um, the Rav Zatzal felt very strongly that women should light, and Yibadu L'chaim Rukim Rav Luchensin feels strongly that, that women, married and unmarried women, should uh, should definitely light. Okay. Um, babies, I, I said, might be told you in how you understand the nature of of, uh, of Mahadrin, Minna Mahadrin. Um, Rav Luchensin felt that according to the Ramah, there's no need to light for babies. Okay, and I understand that his understanding was because it's a chovat gavra, perhaps, or maybe that babies just don't, don't count as bnei bayit. Let us now, yes. How old are babies? Chinuch, chinuch, four, three, four. Wait, so you're able to teach so them something. Bnei bayit is rated by chinuch or 
Uh, it would seem, yeah. Let's talk about the configuration of the menorah. Okay, um, it's preferable that the, the candles, the flames, should be in a straight line. Because by being in a straight line, the e- it's easy for the people outside to view and, and see how many lights there are. And the very, very important central aspect of the mitzvah of Hanukkah is pirusume nisa. And therefore, a menorah that is round, such that a person outside will be viewing all the candles from his angle and won't be able to differentiate between the candles, and it'll look somewhat, somewhat like a torch to him, um, is not kosher. Unless it's a huge, really big round radius, and each, and each flame is easily discernible. Um, I'd like to, to share with you a, a personal story, if I may. When I was in kindergarten, okay, our, our, nurse, our kindergarten teacher gave each of us a little clump of clay. And she taught us to take our little hands and roll it into a ball on the table. And we rolled and we rolled for quite a long time until she said, okay, now everybody take your fist and pound it down flat. And we all took our little fists and we pounded it down flat. And she showed us how to make it into a nice disc shape. And then she showed us to take our little fingers and make a little indentation for, for the candles. See, a kindergarten finger is of the diameter of a Hanukkah candle. <laughs> and I was very, very proud of it. And when it was dry and ready, um, I, I took it home to, to pre- present to, to, to my parents. And my father looked at it and said, very nice, but it's puzzle. <laughs> and this broke, this broke my little heart. And this, this early halakhic trauma might explain a lot of how I turned out today. <laughs> and he went on to explain that it's, it was puzzle for two reasons. The first reason being that it's round. Okay? Uh, and because of the curvature, it's, it would be dis- difficult to see properly. Secondly, there's a halacha when you use a clay, a cheres um, candle, so it's kosher for the first time you use it, but then becomes ma'os, and therefore shouldn't l'chachila be used um, a second time. Yes, Ali, you had a similar experience? No? That's not what the question is about. Yes. Um, is there still a, a mitzvah of pursuing yourself if you're living in a community of all Jews? Because they all know about it. Yes, absolutely. The kosher is the other way around. Is there a presuming Nisa if you're living in a place where there's not a single Jew anywhere to see it? And that, if I remember correctly, is a machokas Rishonim. Okay? But the presuming Nisa is, is, is for Jews for sure. Yes? You're saying it has to be a straight line of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. So you can have like a weird shape like this and it doesn't have to be in one line. That's right. You, know, you could have a weird shape if each flame, if each flame could be seen okay, by the person outside. And it doesn't have to be a perfect horizontal line. You know, it could even be a a diagonal, I guess you can call it. Yeah, a diagonal line. It could be that, if you feel crazy. Um, I'm a very traditional person, you know what I'm saying? And I like it to be straight. And so the people outside should clearly understand what message I'm trying to send. Yes? Two things. There's in the Kharaba right now, at the end, by the Shemitah, the Holy Shemitah um, so there's there's this uh, there's this thing of candle, there's this thing of uh, like oil. Yeah, yeah. It's like, the it's spiral. Like, That's a Shabbos right. thing. Would you be able to use that? Would you be able to use it? Yes. If each candle is discernible, yes. 
that's my point. It doesn't really have to be in a perfect straight line. It just shouldn't be viewed as, as a torch from, from an angle. And say the, um, according to the Rambam, if you, um, if you lit um, just one thing like every night, if you held up, basically if you did like the rush, right? Um, the, what, what, content, what would the Rambam say about it? Would it just be like, would it be Baltosu? There's, no, there there's not a concept of Baltosu. By, by, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to go there. All right. Yes. I'm not sure if you can use access, but um, is it, do you have to actually use a chanukah? Let's say you you want to light up your candles without using an actual chanukah. A what? You just you get to light up your candles without using a chanukah. Are you allowed to do that? You want to use uh, burning candles from a different you, menorah on your to light your menorah. You have a tinfoil thing, and then you stick each one without using an actual chanukah. Oh, itself. oh no! You, yeah, you don't need the you don't need a body of of a chanukah. No, you could just individual candles or individual cups are fine. My channel, if I used, I used um, glass Coca Cola bottles because I'm a very big fan of Coca Cola. I support them for many, many years, and so you know, I fill them with water, and just at top, I put put oil. You know, it doesn't have to be connected. It doesn't have to be connected. Yes. Clay could be used once. Unless it's glazed, because it, it absorbs the oil and the wax, and it gets icky, or maos. What if they're pen- huh? They put the pennies on the clay, like in kindergarten when I made my. They put the pennies underneath. Yeah, but the oil, but the oil and, and the wax drips in and gets everything icky. That's what glaze is for, son. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Um, similarly, another question could be asked, instead of not using a, a, a goof of menorah, what if you use a menorah, but you and your roommate want a light on either end of the menorah, on one menorah? And that's a machlok asachron. Mogin Avram says you can't, because you, you don't have a clear hacker. while the Eli Rabba says you can. Okay, uh, Mishabura went in the direction that you can. Okay, um, obviously only up to the fourth day, because afterwards, you know, you're going to bump into the other guy. Oh, right? Yeah. What? Um, I'm not sure if this is what Hecker is, but could it be? Um, but it's because of two and so that the person, if someone sees it, they make it be confused about what. They Correct. Do. Right. A person should be able to see. Right. And then, why is Mr. Bruce not to be confused? Day, if, huh? it looks like, if it looks like the eighth day on the fourth day. Meaning, no. Meaning, Mr. Bruce is passing that it's mutter, basically that you're not worried about the fact of the body of the menorah connecting. What's important is just the flames. Okay. From somebody outside, they usually don't even see the body of the menorah. All they see is flames. Okay. Let's talk about the position, the place, the best place to uh, place the menorah. The best place is in the opening to your chotzer or to your house. Uh, meaning, if let's say you have a white uh, picket fence around your property, and a person walking, you know, along the along the sidewalk. Would, would have, and yet, let's say you have like a door or an opening there. So the best place to place your menorah would be right there on the left side of the entrance of your chotzer. Now, obviously, it's outdoors, so you would have to use one of those fish tank apparatuses, apparatus, right? Um, but that's that's among the best places that you could put it because it's high on the presuming nisa list. Okay, and obviously, it's it's preferable to be an exposure towards the Rishud Harabim. However, um, what if a person lives in an apartment building? So we all know the din 
that what that it shouldn't be higher than twenty amos. It shouldn't be higher than twenty amos. And the Gemara says, "Cause it's lo sholta ba'ena," meaning people the eye doesn't look up above twenty amot. So twenty amot is approximately ten meters. And in each um, story, you have approximately three meters. Okay, so once you, are, if you're on the third floor, you're okay, but when you're on the fourth floor, you're above 20 amot. So what do you do if you're in an apartment building? So one solution would be to, to take a um, fish tank thing and light at the entrance of, your, of the building itself. You know, it's the main entrance to the entire building. That's the opening to the chatzer. And you're going to ask yourself, oh, well, if there, if there are 20 apartments in this building, how does a, a person passing by know that this is Mordechai Friedman's menorah? So the answer is, it's clear from the Gemara that there's no need for that, that association. And as a passerby, doesn't have to know whose who's is whose. Because in the good old days in the Chatzar, there used to be like a courtyard, and there was an entrance of the courtyard, let's say a path, an entrance of the courtyard, and then the courtyard would, would open up, and in the courtyard there could have been four, five, six, seven houses open to this courtyard. And all the houses would, would actually light at the opening of the whole courtyard, meaning... That the, the narrow opening by the Rishud Arabim, there could be many menorahs, especially if in each house there were a, a lot of people, you could have had a really lot of menorah, and you don't have to necessarily um, see the it correspond. However, the Chazonish is of the opinion that the, uh, the foyer of an apartment building is not parallel to the din of a chatzar, according to him. Other posts can disagree. But um, he therefore felt that you, have, you would have to light... You know, opposite your door, Ravad Yosef, as an example, says, light next to your door in the stairway, the stairwell of the, of the apartment building. So the people coming up and down the stairs will, uh, will be able to see a Chanukiah. This is if you're on the fourth floor above, right? Uh, the assumption here is that the stairway is a good enough Rashid Arabim, which is, I think is not so clear, but that's the assumption. Um, Another possibility would be the third possibility is to light in the window facing Ushad Rabbim. Oh, but it's above 20 amot. So Rav Lichensin is of the opinion that it's okay for two separate reasons. One reason is that in the good old days, Shloshalta Ba'ina, meaning people, I wouldn't, wouldn't look up to 20 amot because there wasn't anything that was taller than 20 amot, except for the stars. Okay? But nowadays, there are all kinds of structures that are, that are way up there, and people might look up. <laughs> Secondly, uh, sometimes in, in apartment buildings, you have people in a different apartment building across the street that will be looking directly on their eye level, and they'll, they'll be seeing the, uh, what, what you're lighting. And therefore, he felt that you could light uh, in, in the window itself. Um, I believe that Ruhlchen said, said that even though you could light in the window, it is still preferable to light in the entrance, the main entrance way to the entire building. Yes, sir? Uh, is it that people have to see it, or people have to be able to see it? People have to be able to see it. So if you're, if you're living like three floors up, and, and really there are no people who live on, you know, on that height... Um, Let's say you're living on the 16th floor and there's no people living, you know, five floors. Um, and people don't come up. If you invite a guest up to see it 
and you wouldn't have seen it anyway. Is that like, is that fine? No, no, we're, we're, listen, we're, we're talking about the best position for Pesuminis. Okay? Obviously, we're not talking about inviting people to come see it in order to be Mekayim Pesuminisa. Now, the Gemara says that Peshas Sakana Yaniach al Shulchano Vidayo. You could put it on the table and that's sufficient. Peshat Sakana means when the baddies are out there and they, they're looking to hurt the Jews and you don't want to put the Chanukah in your window, then you could put it on your, your Shulchan. And, and in Europe, Lo Aleinu, um, many people actually do that. They won't light in the window because they're afraid of the baddies. Um, and, you know, I, I personally knew people that came from Europe that continued doing that minog of, always, of lighting like on the kitchen table. And the reason why it's dayo, so as the machlokas we've shown him, it's either because it's the whole takana is just that you shouldn't forget neor Chanukah, but you kind of like miss the main mitzvah, or according to others that pesuming nisa of the bnei bayit is a legitimate pesuming nisa. Most poskim nowadays hold that pesuming nisa of the bnei bayit is is legitimate. Uh, I'll bring you a raya later on when when I get to the time of lighting. Yes, Sam. Do you have some kind of a shared balcony on your apartment building, and you light? It's fine if, if, if it could be seen from from the Shudder Robin. Yes, sir. What if you you're in a house but there's like a wall in front of the house? So the let's say you live in South Africa in Johannesburg, and they have these huge walls in front of all the houses, so you could you light but no one could see it. It's not you know if I was there, first of all, I wouldn't be living there, but but if I was there, I would probably do the the fish tank trick and light it outside. I would have to also then hire a guard to make sure that no one stole it. But that, that's the price you pay for living in South Africa. Yes? Just going back a bit. Um, the, in terms of Chanukiyot, uh, is, is the thing of Mahajrim and Mahajrim, is that only about the way we light and how many we light? Or does that also have to do with the type of Chanukiyot we make? Like, is, if it's just like individual candles, is that less Mahajrim than a really nice Chanukiyot? Or they're all the same? Oh, okay. Uh, there's definitely a din of Hidur Mitzvah yeah. on any Mitzvah. But that's Hidur. unrelated to Mahajrim. Correct. Right, but there is a Hidra Mitzvah. Yes, there is a Hidra Mitzvah. Yes? Just time that the candles stay a lit. I'll get to it. Not, not now. Okay? All right, next. What if you have a house... What if you have a house that has two doorways? Because you have two exposures to two streets. And a person walking past one door won't see the other door. So the halacha is that you have to light in both doors, even if you're only the only person living in the house. You have to light in both doors because of marit ayin. person going by shouldn't think that you didn't light. Um, Moshe Feinstein points out that if you, if you have like a summer home, you don't have to like fly to Florida to light. You, you, don't, you don't have to make a, a shliach to light in your house because if you're not living in the house, it's not a problem with marit ayin. Okay, now what I do in my house, because we also have two exposures, some of the Bnei Bayit light on one side, and some light on the other side, I can see a person maybe being machmir, and saying, no, all Bnei Bayit have to light in both exposures. But I haven't, I haven't seen that in print, but, you know, it's a svar. Now, when you're lighting, so the halacha is that you should be placing the menorah such that the flames should be somewhere between 3 and 10 tfachim, which is roughly 30 centimeters to a meter high. The, t- the level of a table over here is approximately 96 centimeters off the floor, just to know what, what okay? In other words, 
um, your, the flame of your, of your menorah should be below this level, just below this level, and three tfachim above the ground. These balato on the floor, exactly three tfachim balato. So you know what 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 three tfachim is. That's where the menorah should be put lechatchila. And the reason why it should be put so low is because you want to make it clear to everybody that you're not lighting the candles in order to illuminate people's way. It should be nana from the or, but rather it's for for an ace. So when people put a menorah on a table, it's like a candelabra on a table and, and, and for, for, for art. Now, if you have no option, as an example, you don't have a window that low, your windowsill is, is, is high, okay, this is, this is probably low enough, but I'm saying, let's say you have a, you know, a, a high American level of windowsill, so then it's okay. I mean, you could be outside. You're just the optimal place to, to put it is between 12 and 40 inches. Okay? Um, if you have a doorway, a front door, it's better to light by the front door than a window. However... If your front door is obstructed such that people won't see your front door from the Rishon then it is, according to the Magen Ram, it's better to put in the window for for the uh, better Pesuminisa. Okay? Now, there's a halacha of lighting a menorah in a Beit Knesset. And there, the place to put it is not Pesuminisa in the window, but rather in the southern part of the Beit of the Beit, uh, of Beit Knesset or Beit Midrash, um, parallel to the place where the menorah was put by the Migdash. Okay, and it doesn't follow all the normal dinim of, of the Chanukiah. As an example, you know, if you're the lucky guy that was chosen to light in in the Beit Midrash, so even if you already lit in your room and made a bracha, you would light again in the Beit Midrash and you would make a bracha a second time. And also the other way around. If you lit in the Beit Midrash, and after that you went to your room to light, you would light again with a bracha. Um, it's not the same. It's not exactly the same mitzvah. It's a din in, in the Beit Knesset and the Beit, Beit Midrash. Yes, sir. You still make the bracha both times. Make the bracha both times. You do the shakana or not? Shakana both times. Okay. Yes. Um, it's based on where we dive or where we learn. If there, if no, it's not a place where you learn. It has to have a din of a Beit Midrash or Beit Knesset. You follow it. If you if you daven or learn in your study, you don't light a menorah in your study. No, no, I, I know. I'm saying like a place of public. If you publicly daven in this room, then they both need them. No, it has to be a place that's designated as a Beit Knesset or a Beit Midrash, not a place where people just daven. Even if people aren't there, they Yeah. Well, oh, you're saying if, if it's a Beit Knesset that no one uses, does someone have to go light there? Yeah. No, I don't think so. It's an interesting question, but I don't think so. Um, next. What do we have a shamash for? What's a shamash for? How does that work? <laughs> what? Go for it. No. No, so that it's, it's that you don't get benefit. Like if, if you have eight candles, well, it doesn't work for the eight, whatever, but you have one, right? And so you happen to accidentally use a light, so you're not using the light from the summit of the candle, but you're using it from the shamash. Right, right. So that's that's the prima gaudum svar. That, that, what Ellie's saying is the prima gaudum svar. The prima gaudum svar is that you have this extra flame, so that if by accident you get hana from the, the light, you basically could say, "I'm getting hana from the shamish light, and not from the other the, uh, the other." Uh, but Rashi really doesn't say that. Rashi says something else. He says it's a hekera. It's like a heker, meaning it's like a blinking light, warning, 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 warning. 
don't get hung off from these lights. That's what the shamash is for, according to the according to Rashi, as a, as a hacker. And yes, it would be advantageous, therefore, nafkamina between Rashi and the prima godim. Could could does the shamash have to be on the same uh, on a different level as the other uh, flames? So if it has to be a hacker, it would make sense that it has to be on a separate level. But if it's just adding an extra light so that you you have one light that's not an erushal mitzvah, like the prima godim, then it would could be on on yeah, on, on a different on, on the same level. Also, another example. What if you have in the room, you have electric bulbs or a different lamp already burning in that room? So according to the Prima Godim, you don't have to write light a shamash because you already have lights. Masha Engin going to Rashi because it's Heker, so you have to light a shamash. Okay? Um, the Orach HaShulchan Paskins that if you have another Nair already burning somewhere else in the room, that's enough. And it's mashma that he's going in the direction of the prima godim. Okay. Now, yes. If you have a diagonal line going up, then putting it anywhere on putting it on a different. You have to put it on a different plane somehow. It has to be clear. Yes. Uh, can you light on a boat? Or can you light on a boat? Houseboat. On a houseboat. Or like, you could light on a houseboat. Yeah. You could light on a train, according to most post game. There's a famous chuva, I think it was of the Radvaz, that since people sleep on it and eat there and whatever, that that's considered a house, even according to those that hold that you need a house. Even a plane, if you think about it, you sleep there and you eat, um, but it would, I, I, it would be absolutely awesome to light on a plane. Although you're laughing, I saw, I saw a chuva of some, some posek, I'm not going to mention who, he said, who said this, that said... That on a plane, you should you should try to light one candle, and if the stewardess comes and makes you blow it out, then it's mutter for you to blow it out. <laughs> you know, there's a purpose of his purpose of his tshuva was to say that it's mutter to blow out, but not that it would be completely awesome to light it because it's a kind of snafashos, you know, and, and having an open flame in, in a plane. Anyways. Anyways, um, now let's talk about the proper time to light. The Gemara in Shabbos says that the proper time to light is Mishatishka Hachama. Mishatishka Hachama, after the sun sets. There's a Machog Rishonim as to what exactly is meant by Mishatishka Hachama. The Shulchanah follows those Rishonim that say, Im Sof Shkiata, the end of Shkia. What does the Shulchanah mean when he says, Im Sof Shkiata? And again, it boils down to a machloket. The uh, Mishnabura, Magen Avram, uh, explained that Sof Shkia is really Tzedok HaChavim. In other words, when the sun sets such that there is no residual light left of the sun, and you're now able to see the stars because the sun is completely set, that's a sign when the stars, stars show themselves that the sun set, the Shkia has finished. That's the Mishnabura, the Magen Avram, and therefore they hold that that's the optimal time to light Tzedok HaChavim. The Gro, however, disagreed with, with them and said that no, the, the proper time to light is Shkia. Okay, exactly Shkia Rechama. The second the, the sun disappears below the horizon, that's the proper time to light. Now the Gro, the Tamidi HaGro, actually were the, really the first, well, among the first modern-day settlers of Israel today, like in the late 1880s or mid-1880s, they, they were the rove of the population of the largest group 
of Jews that were in Israel at the time were the Tamid Agra. It's an interesting factoid. Um, and as a result, there are a lot of Minhage Hagra that became Minogar Yisrael. Like last night, I heard the rabbi in the shul speaking after Marev, and he, he was quoting an opinion that Minogar Yisrael is like the Grot, right? Light by Shkia. Okay, now by show of hands, how many of you have a Minog of lighting Shkia? How many of you have the Minog of lighting Tzedok Chavim? How many of you have the Minog of lighting whenever Daddy comes home from work? Usually that's much later than, 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 than Seit, whenever Daddy comes home from work, which is an interesting question. Um, and this touches on Shlichut, and I don't know if I have the time to go into all the aspects of Shlichut, but a lot of Achroinim, if you look into the Mishnaburi, you get this impression, but a lot of Achroinim hold that it's better, I mean, I think everybody holds, it's better to light as early as you possibly can. Number one, of course, reason Maktim Lemitzot, and number two, some interpret the Rambam to hold that the time of lighting, L'Chachila, the time of lighting is from Shkia. Okay? Um, if by the Evid you come later, so then you can light later. Now, therefore, it would make sense, in other words, a person really light as soon as he can. But what if he's at work and it's not possible for him? So a lot of Achreinim that hold, that okay, so if you can't light at the optimal time, make a Shliach. Let the Shliach light for you. In other words, if you're Minig so have your wife light for you for Shkia. If you're Minig let, let her light for Seit. And you'll come home two hours later and, 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 you know, either you'll see the menorah, you won't see the menorah, maybe you'll put in enough oil, you could see the menorah. There are a lot of uh, posts going to take that rationale. Uh, Rav Lichensin told me that he thinks it's preferable that if a person is coming home from work, as long as he's coming home from work at a time where there's still pedestrians walking out around outside, or that there's still B'nai Bayit in the house awake, he should not appoint a, sh- a shliach and should light on his own. Why? So there are two answers why. One answer why is because there's an experiential aspect to the mitzvah. In other words, affixing a mezuzah on your door might not have much of an experiential aspect, and so, you know, it's okay to make a shliach. Even affixing a mezuzah on your door, there's a klal of mitzvah bo yoter mishlucho. It's always better to do a mitzvah yourself rather than to do a shliach, but that reason alone would probably not, um, would not be a good enough reason to miss the prime time of lighting. But the experiential aspect is a, a, a good reason. A third reason is the brachot of Sha'as Anisim Lavoteinu, and on the first day, Shehechianu. Okay? Um, if I appoint a shliach to light for me, so yes, I could, there is a shlichot by mitzvot, and I'm a kind of the mitzvot when that person lights. And when that person lights for me, that person will make a bracha on my menorah, okay, let's say I call home and everybody already lit, and I say, oh, I'm going to be late, please light for me, so whoever lights for me, whoever, whoever my shliach is, will make another bracha. And on the first night he'll make another, uh, you know, well, it's a machokot, whether the first night he'll make three brachas, he'll definitely make at least one bracha. Um, however, I can't be yotze the mitzvah of Isim Lavoteinu. Because according to most understandings, it's not a birchara mitzvah. That's a machloket. There are different kinds of brachot. There's birchas and there's birchas mitzvah, 
And as Bechad Re'iyah, when you see something like a rainbow or, or, or lightning, etc., um, the different kinds of mitzvot. And according to some, the, the Shalasan Isim is a Bechad mitzvot, there's like two brachot on, on, on your menorah. But according to many, uh, the Bechad Shalasan Isim is actually a Bechad Shevach or Bechad Re'iyah. The Rav Zatzal felt that it's a good chance that it's a Bechad Re'iyah. We're not 100% sure, but there's a very good chance that it's a Bechad Re'iyah. And you can only make it after you see it. And you could make that bracha. And therefore he felt on the second night, you should light the, make a bracha, light your first light, and then make a, look at it, and then make a sha'asani simavotainu and light your second. And then on the third night, it's a similar thing. When you, after you light the first flame, make the second bracha and then light the rest. What he's doing is hedging his bet on, on the possibility that the second bracha is either a bichra mitzvah or, or a bichra um, but according to this instruction, he was machmir, he was choshesh, that is a very good possibility that's a birchad mitzvah. And if it's a birchad mitzvah, you don't want to make it if you lit all your menorah. Now, there's an interesting machok as we've shown him. The Gemara says that if a person's walking and, and, and hasn't lit and he sees a menorah in a Jewish window, he can make the bracha shasanisim. And there's a machok as we've shown him whether we're talking about a person who will not light it all that evening. That's how the Rashba understood it. And that's when you make the bracha shasanisa, when you see somebody else light. Um, or it's talking about even a person who asked his wife to be a shliach and to light in his house, but he won't be home for that evening, and he didn't see any, any, any Hanukkah lights. And then he saw, on the way home, or whatever it is, when he was traveling, he saw a menorah in someone's window, and he can go ahead and make a shasanisim, even though he was already yotzi the mitzvah at home. The Shulchan Aruch is, is, is much more like, like the Rashba in one place, and like the Mordechai in another place. The uh, Mos Ashkenazim go in the direction of the Mordechai, that you should indeed make that bracha, and just the fact that you saw a, a menorah, and therefore you see that it's a bracha mitzvah. Anyway, because of these three reasons, Rav Luchansin says, that the businessman, if as long as he comes back when it's still time to light, he should wait and make his own, uh, light his own menorah. Wait a second. Now, what is the length, the amount of time that the menorah should stay lit? So the Gemara says, regel min hashuk, or until the last pedestrian has left the marketplace. Regel, Okay, means pedestrian. Comes the best, same etymology of the word pedestrian. Pedestrian meaning foot, right? Uh, when the last pedestrian leaves a shuk, and then the Gemara adds v'hu kechatsi sha'ah, and that is a half an hour. Now, there's a machlokus we've shown him how to understand that extra hu kechatsi sha'ah. Does that mean that Chazal were estimating how long it takes the, the pedestrians' rush hour to finish? And in times of the Gemara, it was a half an hour, but nowadays it could be till 10 o'clock at night and maybe in certain larger cities till 2, in the, 2 a.m. Or, Huk Chatzisha was actually the Gezeira that Rabbanan made on the length of how long it should burn based on what pedestrians used to do in the times when the Takana was originally made. Okay, and they're both good possibilities, and they, they, we pass them in, 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 in each direction. Uh, the most prevalent accepted psak is to say that half an hour is all that you really have to light it. Okay, you only have a half an hour. And therefore you can use candles that are half an hour longer or enough oil that it should be a half an hour long. 
There are those that are machmir for the other interpretation. The Geriz, as an example, used to live on Rachel Strauss. Okay? And he writes in his Sefer that he's, he was choshish for that shita, and therefore he put in enough oil for the last show in the Edison Theater. The Edison Theater was, was a huge theater behind the Grizz's house in, 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 the, uh, in the neighborhood of, like, Geula. Um, it's been torn down. It was, it was a national landmark, but the Satmaras bought it and torn it down and, and put up a, a yeshiva there um, less than 10 years ago, I think. But in any case, so he was mocked to put in a lot of oil, and it was a lot of oil. It was quite a few hours. Rev Lichtenstein also... Um, is no hake to, to be mocked on that. In other words, to put in like four or five hours of oil because there are a lot of people still walking around outside and you get your maximum persuminisa um, exposure by doing that. Um, in other words, it's a double thing. Number one, you're being choshes for that that maybe you need that much. And number two, even if you only needed a half an hour, it's still more persuminisa to have it lit longer. Now, there are some who are not choshes for either of those things but we'll put, use longer than a half an hour. We'll use longer than a half an hour. Uh, why? Because some like to light on Shkia, and they want to be choshish for the sheet of the Rishonim that say that the real time to light is Tzait. So they'll put in enough oil to last a half an hour past Tzait, and then they're definitely Yotze L'Choladayot. Okay, I'm going to have to stop here, and Blin Edder continue next week.